Children's Church, and if you are older than that, um, we do have um, a sermon notes for kids in the bulletin in the back. Um, there you go. It helps you listen. Um, if you've looked ahead in the bulletin, we couldn't find an activity sheet for this passage. Surprise. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, you'll see in just a minute. Anyway, uh, uh, if you would uh, turn in your Bibles um, to Exodus 21, and uh, or you can look there in your bulletin. It's printed for you. Uh, and so um, we are. Um, we have been. Going through the book of uh, the book of Exodus um, for a while now, we're more than halfway through uh, as of today. Uh, just twenty more to go, twenty more chapters. Uh, and uh, you know, this is why th- this is an ex- this is a very clear example uh, of why we uh, do lectio continua preaching. Uh, that's Latin. I'm trying to impress you with my how learned I am. No, but we, it's our practice to preach verse by verse through books of the Bible and to not skip. Uh, and, and this is one where you're honestly, I'm honestly, kind of, well, we can skip that one, right? Uh, but, uh, but there, you know, all of Scripture's God breathed. All of it's beneficial. All of it is what we need to hear. Uh, we believe Jesus is on every page. There's gospel on every page, and 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 so this isn't something that we should be afraid of. We should read it and understand it. But it's it's a it's a interesting one. This is this passage. This this chapter is really one that those hostile to Christianity like to go to as a, as a, a proof. That you can't trust the Bible. That is, they go here to go, is this really true? How can you believe this? They go to chapter 21. And, and as you see, if you have your Bible, it, in, in the ESV it says, laws about slaves. And people go to this section and go, see, the Bible condones slavery. How can, you, how can you believe this? How can you believe in this religion? And then we keep reading and there's laws about capital, capital punishment. And, and, and people that are hostile to what we believe, they go, see, the Christians believe that the government should kill people. And, and on the very, the very previous chapter it says, thou shalt not kill. And look at this hypocrisy and look at this, the contradiction. How can, how can you follow the sixth commandment and believe and obey what follows in the very next chapter? See, there's contradiction and, there's, and this is abhorrent and uh, this... Oh. That's what happens when you, again, when you read the Scripture out of context. You don't understand the flow of events and what God is doing. And so we, let's read this. Read this, what may be controversial, uh, troubling text and see what God is really saying. And see how there's actually deep truth and, 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 and application for us. Not in the way you think, not not necessarily literally, but 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 how God's word is upheld, how justice and dignity are important to him, and how he is loving his people Israel and what he says. So with that said, let me pray again and we'll read.
chapter 21 together. Gracious God, thank you for this, your word. And Lord, we thank you that you have breathed this out by your spirit, that you, you guided the hand of Moses as he wrote. We thank you that we um, can hear from you, that, we can, that you have preserved this, your word, through thousands of years and that you have uh, allowed us to now have a reliable uh, copy, a translation, and we can know you and, and hear you and, and, and understand your heart for your people, your heart for us, and, and the way in which you've made us to live. Lord, help us now to, to hear you, uh, to understand your word uh, by the help of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, that is unmarried, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go free, then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall become and shall be his slave forever. When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master who has designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people since he has broken faith with her. If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her as with a daughter. If he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital rights. If he does not do these things for her, she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie and wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which you may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him, anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. When men quarrel and one strikes another with a stone or with his fist, the man does not, and the man does not die but takes to his bed, then if he, the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear, only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall have him, and shall have him thoroughly healed. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then um, <clears throat> you shall pay life for life eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. 
When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. When an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. But if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has been warned but not, but not kept it in, and it kills a man or woman, the ox shall be stoned and its owner also shall be put to death. If a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed on him. If it gores a man's son or daughter, he shall be dealt with according to the same rule. If an ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. All right. What a Mother's Day passage. You're welcome. Um, there is that one part about parents and honoring the parents. We'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, that's, there's the tie-in. Um, what do we do with this, right? I mean, maybe this is also a passage you have skipped over and just gone, all right, I read it, I don't do that. We're going to deal with it. And I want you to see, there's, there's, there's actually four, four short points. You hear four, you hear more than three, you get worried. But four short points, right? I, that, that, um, I want you to hear in this passage, one, that Moses here, you know, getting the God's Word, that here we have God applying law to real life. That's the first point. He's applying these Ten Commandments to real life. Second, we see what this passage is preserving and protecting all God's people. Thirdly, we see here that this passage is upholding the foundation of society. And then fourthly, that this passage is affirming that human life is sacred. Now those don't sound bad, do they? Those are like good things. And so, you know, let's, let's see how that plays out. Um, we actually, last time, not last week, the week before, I didn't preach, but uh, Justin filled in, did a great job looking at Ecclesiastes. And, but, but the week before, we, we finished out chapter 20, but we actually started a new section. A new section of Exodus. And uh, it's called the Book of the Covenant. And if you want to see that, it's, it's, you know, you keep, you turn over a few pages. When he concludes this section, he says, uh, he calls it in, in 24-7, uh, the book of the, of the covenant. Now, this is different. It's, it's distinct. It's, it's not just a carryover from the Ten Commandments. And we know that because this is, one, it's not written in stone. It's written in parchment. It's not written by the hand of God. It's written by Moses' hand. And as we see that the, the word that some, in some places is translated as law, sometimes termed ordinances, it's a different word. It's a different word than the law of, of the Ten Commandments. It's actually this word called uh, mishpat. That's the Hebrew. Um, and I might not be saying it exactly right, but... Y'all not going to know that. Anyway, um, but it's, it's a Hebrew word 
uh, that is a, is a different, has a slightly different meaning. It reflects a case decision that is based on a prior precedent. It's, a, it's something based on something that's happened before. And so, as we, as we read this, as we read this, this civil law, as we read this law that's, that's you know, given to Israel, that's a part of the covenant that they're making with God, I want you to realize that it's, it's different, it's distinct from the Decalogue, from the Ten Commandments. And it, what it is, it's, a, it's dealing with the specific social and economic context of Israel 3,000 years ago. So this covenant code, this, this book of the covenant, is not prescriptive law for the lawyers in the room. It's descriptive. It's, it's, it fits the needs of this people, this emerging nation of Israel. It, another way of saying it, this is an a- application of the Ten Commandments to this specific social context. Israel is a nation 3,000 years ago. You know, we're in a, at a time period now where we live in a cancel culture. You know what I'm saying? We, we like to look back on things that people said 20, 30, 50 years ago and say, how dare they, you know? You know? And I was having a conversation with someone recently about civil rights and, and, and race. And I said, you know, if you want to know uh, what's, you know, if you, really, if you really want to know what's true about, about you know, race and, and how we should think about it, you know, you probably shouldn't go ask my, my grandmother <laughs> who, who grew up in the Deep South and was born in the 1920s. She's going to have a very different take. And, and you're going to probably be like, huh, okay. <laughs> All right, I'm not trying to disparage her. She's with Jesus now. <laughs> but she grew up in a context that's different than the one I grew up in. And, and, they were, and I, I think there's such a thing as uh, generational sanctification, right? And so uh, we, you know, we, it's hard to judge people you know, on, a, on, on, the, on the culture 50 years earlier, 100 years ago. But I want you to see that God is... Dealing with his people in a way that's it's 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 good, it's loving, and and actually he he begins with what we finished on last last time we were together. Uh, he, he begins with how to approach him in worship, and that's at the end of chapter twenty. And 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 uh, and Alex Motier, uh, a, a theologian, a commentator, he said, I want you to realize that. As, as you hear these words that maybe sound harsh, that sound harsh to our 21st century ears, that sound harsh in the, in the consequence they have, it begins with, he says, here is always in the Bible, it begins with the word of grace. It begins with the altar, God meeting his people. And it, it, that always precedes the word of law, the judgments of 21 through 23. So this, this law is descriptive, it's the application of the Ten Commandments to the nation of Israel. Therefore, what we read here is not something that we should go, alright, that's exactly how we have to live right here now in the 21st century. That's not how it's meant to be taken. But you do see this beautiful principle of the Ten Commandments, God's Word, are to be applied to life. And, and you think about that. That's something that 
people even back then struggled with. It wasn't enough just to go, here's the ten general principles, and it wasn't enough that God Himself thundered it out of His own, you know, from His presence, from the from the from the cloud on Sinai. He he said, let's get specific. Let's let's apply. How does this how does this work out in your day to day life? And and think about that. Think about that for a minute. Um, we are still, though we don't take this exact grid and put it on where we live as Americans, as U.S. citizens in the 21st century, we do have this principle of I'm to take God's Word and think about how it fits into my life. It's to be applied. It's not, okay, well that's my spiritual life and this is my secular life. No, there is no spiritual a sacred, secular distinction. Uh, God's Word is to be lived out in, in every way, in all that I do. And it, and it makes sense that God's Word is codified for His people, for this nation that lives as under His, His rule and His, His reign. He's the, he's the king. He's the leader of Israel. This is a theocracy. And He said, this is how it applies. But by the work of the Spirit, through the Spirit, we are to be taking His Word and not just going, all right, here's my Bible, put it on the shelf, and I'll go about my life for six days and come back to it on Sunday. But how does this Word, how does His law, it to play out in my life? And so this, not exactly, but this, this practice of applying God's law to real life is something we're called to do. How does, how does the... Sixth commandment supposed to play out in my life. Thou shalt not murder. What does that say? And, and what, really what we see in this, in this code here, uh, in, the, in this passage, is the application of, the, the, the expounding of um, commandment five. Honor your father and mother. Uh, commandment six. Uh, thou shalt not murder, and and then also there's a, a, a reference to kidnapping. Thou shalt not steal. It's it's how does this play out as it relates to people dealing with other people for the nation of Israel in the time of Moses. It's applying God's law to real life, the life, the so, the so, society, the culture of the day. So. That's what's going on. That's the big picture. Number two, we see here in this passage that that God is preserving and protecting all of His people. Did you you catch that? The thing that that kind of catches you off guard is the the heading and the first thing uh, when you read... now these are the these are the rules you set before them. Okay, sounds good. When you buy a Hebrew slave. Okay. And, and it's appropriate that when we read that, we have that feeling. I, I mean, if you if that's your take, go, good, okay. <laughs> oh, what? What is happening? What? When do you buy a slave? What? What? Again, not for us. <laughs> not prescriptive, descriptive. In in the, the ancient, you know, Mediterranean. Near East culture, all cultures had some form of slavery. And, and, but note, this is a different than what we think of in our... When we think of slavery, we have... We think of 
ships and, and, and human trafficking and, and horrible like abuse and, 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 and that's what fills our mind when we use that word. But note here, right at the beginning, what it says. It says, when you buy a slave, he shall serve six years. This is not a system of lifelong servitude. This isn't treating a human being like property, which was done in other cultures of the day. And recently, we know we're talking about 3,000 years ago, 200 years ago, 150 years ago, that's, that's recent. But he's actually putting stipulations on something that's very common. In some ways, this was, this was kind of like our social, the social security welfare system. If you, because of if because you you were in debt, you lost money, you lost property, you lost some something, some tragedy befell you, and you were in debt, and there was no way out, you could say, I will serve you for a set amount of time to pay my debt. You could even say, my son or daughter will be servant service to you and work for you for these years with the assurance that that would pay the debt and you would be set free. Some of you are kind of working out, you know, you're close to your 20 years or your 30 years and you're going, I, I feel it, I feel it, <laughs> you know. Um, I, you know, some of us sign contracts when we work and make, you know, promises. And you're like, okay, okay I get it. But th- this is what's happening. But, but look at God's provision here. He says, you can't abuse this system. You can't, this, these, are not, these, are not, these are not objects. These are human beings. And you, you know, he's, 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 he's holding that up. He's, he's maintaining that. The, the sanctity of, of, God, of, of humanity, of image bearers. And, and why does he start with slavery? Why, why do you think? Why start there? What have they been for 400 years? Slaves. And it was not like this. God says, alright, you're going out, you're your own nation. Do not treat people like the Egyptians. You ever been victimized or hurt? What do you want to do? You want to get even? You want to be like the people that hurt you? That, that's that sinful tendency. He's like, don't become a, a nation that treats other human beings like you were treated. They didn't get a Sabbath. They didn't get a day off. They weren't seen as equals. But to be a Hebrew, to be, to be one of God's people, you didn't have to be born a Hebrew. You just had to... Join the, join the nation. Receive this covenant sign. That's no small thing, right? But, but you ha- then you were, an, you were a Hebrew. You were an Israelite. And, and he said, th- this, these rules would, are applied even to slaves. You have dignity. You have worth. They were treated well. They could not be oppressed. They had rights to Sabbath rest. And, and, then, and then and you see that um, if, if you... Became were married while you were a slave, and this seems kind of harsh, but but look at what it says. It goes, if you entered into that, but the person that you marry is still a slave, you know, by right, this this other person is working out, a, a, you know, a, working out a, a time, and you can't just you know take them with you. But if you love 
love your master, you can't of your own volition decide, I want to serve this person, be part of their household for life. There was options. There was, there was, there were, uh, there was freedom in this form of indentured servitude. If we keep on reading, and it's not here, but if you look at Leviticus 25, is it, again, this is the law that talks about this even more. It says that um, not only were you set free every on the seventh year, but if you were serving an a, a, a indentured servitude term and it, you're ha- it happened to come upon the year of Jubilee, which was every 50th year, everyone was set free and all land was restored and it was kind of a reset. And you got to, you got to set free earlier. But so there was, there was grace and there was mercy and there was protection. Um, slaves had protection under the law like everyone else. And as you keep going to the bottom, you know, it talks about when an ox gores a... a you, you don't think about reading that in the Bible. No, this is no one's favorite verse. You know, what's your, what's your life? You know, while I was at... I got to pray at the graduation service for Faith Christian School uh, on, on Friday. It was really cool to get to see these kids that are come through the school some 12 years and 14 years started in 4K. But I got to pray over them and do a benediction. And they all have a life verse. No one's life verse was Exodus 21-32 about ox scoring a slave. Or I'm not surprised. But, you know, it's there. It's no one's favorite. We don't memorize it. No kid knows it. But look, there, it, it matters. That life matters. That person matters. And if, and if they're abused by their master, they get to go free. And if that master beats them to the point of death, that's a death sentence. That master dies. His life is forfeit. Again, all people are important. All people are precious in God's eyes in this new nation of Israel. And not only that, you see women are set apart. Because you, you read the next chapter and you go, this sounds bad. Verse 7. When a man sells his daughter as a slave. If you just stop, that's not... Again, not prescriptive. <laughs> Descriptive. It was common, according to commentators I've read, that in, in, in other near, uh, near East cultures of the time, to sell children into slavery... It, for food, like if you were so destitute and poor and you couldn't feed your family, well, go work for them, and and you'll eat. Do you remember the remember the parable of the rich? Uh, I mean, of, of the prodigal son. Remember that he, he said, "If I could just come back, and Dad will just let me be a servant, and then I won't have to eat what the pigs eat." Like there was there was you know life. And, 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 and food and clothing and, and protection to be a servant in someone's household. Again, th- this was again like, like a welfare system of Israel. If you're destitute, go agree to join this household and, and you, you can work. You can be cared for. But for women it was different. Often when this happened, again, like, this doesn't sound good, not ideal, I'm not, I'm not for it. Used, oftentimes this happened, it was, this was done as the, with the intent of marrying the master or marrying the master's son. But note this, if that happened, then you were no longer a slave. You had the status of a wife. 
of a daughter-in-law. You were, the, you, you were a second-class family member. Some, some, some daughters-in-law still feel that way. <laughs> I'm not really part of the family. No, you were part of the family, even if you came in as a, under this circumstance. But if you weren't taken as a wife, you were free. There was protection. You could go back home to your family. You weren't left destitute, unwanted goods, or just someone like Cinderella who just had to, you know, who's unwanted and had to work and was no, nobody wanted her there. No, you, you, had, you had a place. You had, you had hope. You, were, you could go back home and, and start again and marry another. And, and God took care of not just the slaves, the men, but women were held in, in high regard. And you go, well, how, is this high regard? Compared to other cultures, yes. These are protections for them. And also notice who is protected. The unborn. The unborn. If a woman was caught in between a conflict of two men or something, and, and, and that child was born early, and it died... There's punishment. An eye for an eye. A life for a life. This, this child in utero was a human being. And, and injury and hurt, there was justice brought about. Pregnant women and the unborn are protected in Israel. Again, it, we read this and it's a shock to our senses, it's a shock to our 21st century minds. But if you, you realize that in the, the, the country they came from, people were objects. People, for Egyptians, the Israelites were abhorred. They weren't equals. And also in, in Egypt, as far as we can tell, there's no evidence of any codified law. It's only the word of the Pharaoh. We live as Americans. We have a law. We have a constitution. We have, we have a bill of rights. We have, we have laws we, that are they're agreed upon. Imagine just having one person that just their whim was the law. And that's where they came from. But God says, no, that's not how I created you to live. That's not how I want you to live. I want you to apply my word to life. And this is how he wants it, them to apply it to their culture, to their life. He wants, he wants the dignity of man to be upheld. The dignity of women to be upheld. The, 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 the sacredness of, of, of image bearers to be upheld. Even the poorest, even the destitute, even the slave. And you see this play out again, you know, this is the other passage, what we, we struggle with, or people, our culture struggle with, again, because they're reading 21st century reality into the Scripture. But when you get to Ephesians, I hope that that, that came to mind as, as Paul is writing. He's, he's, he's applying the gospel to husbands and wives, children and parents, slaves and masters. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of... I service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord, not man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, 
and there is no partiality with Him. That is but a summary of the law of this book of the covenant. It is treat even your servants with dignity as image bearers. Third thing, we see this passage upholding the foundation of society. And this is the one, again, this is not prescriptive. But there are two places where you go, wow, and this is where Mother's Day comes in. (laughs) So I'm working it in. Um, if If a child is to strike one of their parents it says that their life is to be forfeit. Let's pray. Anyway, no. Um, <laughs> uh, that's harsh. Then it goes on to say, if you curse your father or mother, death. Why? Why, Why is that there? Why is that? Again, this was the actual law of the land for 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 Israel. There would be no violence against parents. There'd be no dishonor of parents. And again, I I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with this being a law today. <laughs> all the kids are like, Amen. Amen. Okay. All the parents, we all we are all kids too. We all should say Amen too. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be standing before you right now if this was the law of the land. I didn't hit any of my parents, but man I I was disrespectful. Uh, said things I shouldn't. And uh, struggled under authority. Struggled to, to, to obey. Struggled to want my own way. But here's the thing, I think, and this is from, from a Motier. He, he pointed this out. God made for the family, the, 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 the family structure to really be the foundation of society. And, I, and, you know, it's not just that it's breaking the fifth commandment, but why is that command there? That that's where you learn how to submit. That's how you learn where, how, to, how, to, how to honor those in authority over you. And I'm not saying that every parent deserves honor. We, we looked at the fifth commandment last week. You know, we talked about honoring your parents and parenting honorably. And there are times where, as a parent, man, I failed... And there are some parents, some of you had parents that really, really failed you and sinned against you. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear me say, no matter what, obey parents. But when a parent is loving, not perfect, but seeking to, to love and raise and set boundaries, it's, it, God is saying it is so important that that is enforced, that that is seen, that, that parents are respected. And obeyed. And in this context, man, the penalty was severe. Again, not prescriptive for us, but yet we, we take away what? This, he's trying to uphold the foundation of society. Where it is children learn what it means to submit to the Lord, what it means to submit to those in authority over them. And parents, fathers and mothers, both. It doesn't just say fathers, as many laws of the day, of this of, of this time did. It, it, it gives dignity and nobility to the mom as well. 
parents are to be honored and not mistreated. That's a minor point, but it's worth saying. So we see in this passage, applying, it's applying God's law to real life. It's preserving, protecting all God's people. It's upholding the foundation of society. And finally, and lastly, it's affirming that human life is sacred. There's a lot of um, death here. There's a lot of uh, capital punishment, capital crimes listed here. Things where a, a person or even an animal is to be put to death. Why is that? Well, this, this reality it goes back before the Ten Commandments. Really, Genesis 9-6, it says, God says, Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. And in, in the application of, of this Sixth Commandment, an application of it to this society, it says that those who commit premeditated murder should be put to death by the officials, by the judges of Israel. Why? Because, why is murder so wrong? It's a weird question to ask. It's because it's the destruction, it's the destroying of an image bearer. That's why. To take vengeance in your hands and to seek your own justice and to find your own justice and to act in deliberate plan to take a life is destroying a picture that God has made of Himself. And it deserves punishment. Severe punishment. I don't think that this passage, if you're sitting here going, I, 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 do, not, I, I do not agree with the death penalty. That's, that's, your, that's your freedom. That's your, this isn't here to, 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 to force that on you. But I do think we find here, not that there should always be death penalty in every case of, of murder, that we have to do it or we're not being faithful, but it, it does, I think it does demonstrate that it's, that it, it, it is, it's okay if that is the penalty. That it is not sin. It's not wrong for the state, for the government to exact this kind of justice. doesn't have to. Not prescriptive, but descriptive. But life, human life, is sacred because we are image bearers. But note that it's not just across the board, anyone who, who kills. No, it's, it's, it has, there's, there's an aspect of, of intention behind it. And those who accidentally destroy an image bearer, accidentally take a life, there is a city of refuge, as he elaborates on in Numbers 35. These cities shall be for you a refuge from the avenger, that is the, the, the member of the family who's designated to get vengeance and, and to get restitution. And that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. And so if, if you accidentally took a life, if you were not trying to, if you were not meaning to, if it was a, a, a fight, a fit of rage, or even just an accident, you could get on your donkey, hit the road, go to the city, and wait trial. That there was a category for that. But it says that 
the one who purposely kills and murders, there is no refuge, even if he's clinging to the altar. He says, you take him, and there's judgment. Also, note, kidnapping deserves death. And, and note that this applies. It does, it's not, it's not, has nothing to do with social class or rank. Uh, I was looking at one commentary. He was quoting other Mesopotamian laws. And they all had to do with if you, if you killed a, a noble person or a rich person or a master, there was one set of rules for them and then one set for the poor or for the slave. This is across the board. Human life is sacred. Human life is sacred because we are made in His image to reflect His glory. And to destroy that is a great offense to our God. Again, we, we see that, that hope as we looked at this passage together, that it's not just offensive, but as we see it and read it in the context and recognize what it is, that it's not on the same level as the Ten Commandments. It's not prescriptive as they are, but it is an application of the Ten Commandments to the culture, the life, the social context of Israel 3,000 years ago. But as you read it, you see that as we as God's people are to be working to apply His law to real life, that we see that God has a heart for preserving and protecting his, all of His people, that He has a desire of upholding the foundation of society and, and wants, wants children to learn to, to, to listen and obey and honor their parents so they would in turn listen and obey and honor Him. And then finally that, that, that He is affirming that all human life is sacred. Every person has value and worth according to God. And to take a life deserves punishment. What's the application? God cares how we live. He doesn't just want His people to... Here's the rules, memorize them. He wants, he, he wants it to play out and how we live and how we treat one another. He wants it to play out as we as citizens in 21st century America. He wants us to think, how, how, does, how does, not just the Ten Commandments, but how do we know, how do we see the Ten Commandments rightly? How, how, does that, how is that illustrated for us? It's, it's Jesus Himself. The, the Word made flesh. How do we see the life of Christ impact the way we live and love in this country, in our context? Do we think in that way? And again, Christ isn't just an example. He is the Lord and Savior of sinners. He's demonstrated. When you, when you look at Him, you go... Oh, that is wonderful. That is lovely. That, he is beautiful to behold. He is the embodiment, the perfect image of God and the perfect man. The perfect person living out God's law. And we go, it's beautiful. His righteousness is... His, in His righteousness, He is loving. And in His perfection, we know what true love is. And so how, do, how am I loving? How am I showing love? Not just to the people that are important. Not just to the people like me. But to all the people I come in contact with. How do I, do I recognize that every life is precious? That every person has worth? 
Do I live that way? Do I think that way? And that's what we're challenged here to do, I believe. Um, Jesus came um, into this broken world just as God spoke into the broken world that had slaves and murder and kidnapping and abuse. Jesus entered that world and uh, kept this law, kept, perfectly applied God's law, kept it because we couldn't. We'll see that, again, just because they receive these words and receive this law and, and agree in chapter 24, yes, we will do it. They couldn't. They needed atonement. They needed someone to come who could keep God's word, perfectly apply God's law. And that is what Christ has done. He came and paid the debt. We are all deserve this death penalty. We all have fallen short of keeping God's law. We've dishonored our parents. We've hated brothers and sisters, people in our heart. We've put people on pedestals. We've treated people like they don't matter. Christ has come and, he's, and he, he obeyed where we couldn't and He paid the debt. If you're convicted by this word today, good. Look to Christ. Don't just say, I'm going to do better, but look to Christ and say, Lord, help me not to apply this law directly, but help me to more and more conform my life to what your word says. Help me more and more to be about preserving and protecting the people around me. Help me more and more to, to uh, treat people with equality and to love them, those who God puts in your path. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that we, we do have this, your good word and uh, that there is, you, you desire there to be justice in your kingdom that you desire for all people to be treated with dignity. And um, Lord, help us to live that out, to apply your word. And we thank you that even as we fail, as we fall short, day in, day out, that we would look to you for forgiveness. For you have, you have done it. You have finished it. You have done what we could not. And then you have paid our debt. Lord, uh, may that... Be very real to us as we hear your word and also very real to us as we partake of this supper. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.